Hello and welcome to the Unlocked Podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Locke, professional speaker, magician and confidence coach. And quite simply, Unlocked is a journal of self-improvement. I'm talking to the experts, authors and successful people from around the world, as well as sharing my mishaps and magical adventures in my own life too, to unlock the best version of ourselves. My aim is to give you some insight and inspiration so you can unlock the best version of yourself too. Now, if this sounds like your cup of tea, then hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Wednesday. Now, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode. This week, the brilliant Tom White, owner of Kalenva Coaching, joins me for a conversation all about what is NLP and how can it help. Tom is a qualified and experienced personal development and leadership coach, L&D consultant and NLP master coach and master's psychology graduate. Having left the John Lewis partnership after 18 years, he founded Kalenva Coaching to realize his dream of working with coaching clients on a full-time basis. Now, in this episode, you're going to hear all about Tom's story of leaving his corporate career to pursue his dreams, but also a really great taste into what NLP is and how can it help you. Now, many of the listeners will know that I have a foundation skills diploma in NLP, and I'm currently studying my practitioner level. So Tom, obviously, was a great guest to get on the show to share why NLP can help us unlock the best version of ourselves. Many listeners will have listened to previous episodes where I talked a little bit about NLP presuppositions, such as the episode that there is no such thing as failure, there are only outcomes. But in this episode, we discuss many of the practicalities of NLP, such as how to rewrite limiting beliefs, how to make better choices, how to build rapport and more. But it's a really great introduction into that NLP. And if you head to the link in the description, you can download a copy of Tom's free workbook, Explore Your Purpose in Seven Steps. Just head to the link in the description and you can download now. It's a fantastic episode and enjoy the episode with Tom White. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week I am joined by Tom White, owner of Kalenva Coaching. Hi Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Ricky. Um, thank you ever so much for asking me to come along on the podcast. Very much looking forward to being here. Uh, it is a pleasure and apologies Tom, as we are both well aware, last week as scheduled had a chest infection and uh, this didn't go to plan. So Tom has been very kind and very patient uh, waiting for me. So thank you very much mate, really appreciate that. But yeah, tell us how's things been? Are you okay? You well? Yes, yeah, yeah. I am um, busy as 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 always, um, you know, and I'm sure loads of people say that about being busy, but I, I am <laughs> genuinely um, very busy at the moment, balancing the uh, the rigors of business uh, with the rigors of study um, at the same time as well. So just trying to get the balance right. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've probably been back at work a few weeks since Christmas, and it's been been pretty full on since. But I am um, I am doing well with it. Good. And and if you're listening to this and uh, uh, not watching any of the, the snippets of the audiogram clips, Tom has the biggest smile uh, ever. So he is probably one of the nicest men I've ever met and has the most awesome beard I've ever seen. So we, we will get a picture of this on the audiogram if you can't see this. But um, but yeah, Tom, welcome to the show. There's a reason why I wanted to chat to you. We kicked off really well uh, last year when you did a talk in one of the, uh, the business networking groups for Nottinghamshire. And um, one of the things that I wanted to chat to you about was that your journey is very similar to me uh, in terms of an ex-corporate world now finding a bit of your purpose and doing something a little bit different. And uh, I think that a lot of that conversation as well was about NLP, 
which I'm mm-hmm. currently studying a foundation diploma about, and it is one of the most successful personal development tools in the world. And because this podcast is all about unlocking success and being the best version of yourself, it just felt right we had to have this conversation. So firstly, let's just uh, explain to the listeners, what is it that you do? So, oh, what, what is it that I do? Um, so there are there are a few different things in there, but my, my, my chief preoccupation is uh, running my coaching business, Calendra Coaching. Um, so that is a, um, a small coaching business. It's coming up for its year's anniversary in um, April um, oh. this year, um, which I'm looking forward to because, you know, going to be a big, uh, big um, celebration and everything for that. But yeah, that's my that's my main occupation. So that's a, um, a private one to one coaching business. Um, I do have some uh, some figures and some pies and doing some corporate work um, as well. But chiefly, I do work one to one with private clients. And the area of interest I have in coaching and the area I specialize in is helping people understand what their purpose is. Um, and whether that's purpose in life and, you know, more holistically or whether it's purpose within career or some other specific context, um, that's essentially the work that I uh, that I find myself doing um, with those clients. And they tend to be the people that are drawn towards me, people who are thinking about um, what is it I'm doing with my life? I've been doing this for X amount of time. And is that really what I want to do for the rest of my career or the rest of my life? Or is there something else that I'd like to do? So those are the sorts of people um, that I find myself working with. And um, yeah, I, I have a wonderful time talking to people um, about yeah. purpose. You will see lots of like light bulb moments flicker on going, oh, wow, this is what's meant to be. And, and a question that I've often asked myself over the last couple of years is, is this it? You know, that question of, am I really doing what I'm put here to do? And uh yeah, what do I need to do? So uh, we're going to deep dive into that because I love the idea of purpose and it was a lot of the stuff that I used to train as well. So I'm really looking forward to bouncing some ideas between you there. But I know that this wasn't always the point. You had a, a, a corporate background. So tell us a little bit about the, the, the corporate background and, and how you've now got into this, because it's 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 not really um, a kind of different path, is it? It's very linked sideways to what you was doing. Mm. But what was I'd be interested to talk about what happened and then what was that spark that got you to where you are now? Hmm, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I, I did start a corporate career. Um, oh, it's got to be getting on for 20 years ago now. And um, I was working in, um, in a, 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 um, uh, an organisation and I was a junior manager, got taken on originally as, as an assistant manager. Um, brand new to management, uh, never really worked with people before. And um, I, did, I did enjoy it, um, but I found that the, the work that I was doing was much more around the performance of the, the business. It was around the pounds, the pence, the, the, the sales, the wastage. And I, I have to be honest, I just never really got excited um, about that sort of stuff. You know, some people would often market themselves as being a real trader. And I, I just I just wasn't. I never really sat that comfortably um, with that. But the bit about it I did love was the people. Um, and and working with people, working with um, people, developing their talent, developing their potential. And I really, really enjoyed that part. Um, so I think probably about four years into my journey, I'd, I'd moved around a little bit. I'd moved up a little bit on the kind of the echelons of command, as it were. I'd moved into a more senior management role. Um, and then the opportunity came up uh, to go on to Common for a couple of years to a training role. And I thought, OK, well, that's interesting. Um, I've done training as part of my role in um, in my organisation. Um, I like developing people. Um, I've got the skills in terms of the technical knowledge. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll do that. See what that's about. So I, I you know, went through the interview process, the assessment process, and was lucky enough to be given a, a two-year secondment. Um, 
in a, a technical training role, rolling out a new piece of technology um, across the entire the entire business for two years as a, as a as part of a group of um, of, of twenty people, and um, oh, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. Traveling, staying away, you know, bearing in mind this is when I was in my sort of early 20s, early to mid 20s and staying away from home. It was <laughs> living out of suitcase. It was traveling, living out of a suitcase. It, it sounded so glamorous <laughs> at the time. And I look back at it and think, goodness, how did you how did you do that for so long? But um, yeah, it was it was awesome. And, and the best bit about it, I was meeting new people constantly. I was imparting some new skills on them, some new knowledge. I was um, developing their skills. I was allaying their fears. Um, because the technology we were replacing was pretty old. People had got very, very used to it, very comfortable with it. And we we're introducing something brand new and whizzy, which would make their lives easier, but also could be a little bit scary getting into that, into that new technology. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and I thought, that's awesome. This is, this is definitely something I want to continue doing. Um, and I was lucky enough after that two years secondment to be offered another secondment to go do some customer service training um, for a year. So I thought, okay, so still in training, different, different modality. Let's do customer service. Let's, let's have a crack at that. And I got the same, uh, the same joy and thrill out of developing people's skills, albeit in a different area. And, um, and then, after that, I was lucky enough to be offered another secondment, um, moving into a different training role. And this time it was working in hospitality. So um, this is now combining food, which I absolutely love, and um, and developing skills, which I developed this love for over the past of um, three years. And um, uh, eventually those those secondments um, stopped being secondments and they turned into permanent roles. And, and that's when I started thinking, OK, there's, there's a real career in this for me. This is definitely something I want to do. I will accept that permanent role. I will relinquish my, my previous roles and I, I, will, I will go forward. Um, but what's really interesting, um, I think, when I look back at some of those um, some of those those early roles that I had when I was training. And I'm very clear that they were training. They were, this is how to do something. This is the standard we need to meet. This is how it's done. It was very black and white. There was no, there was no wiggle room in there. You know, it was, this is how you um, operate this particular piece of technology. This is how you make this particular sandwich. This is how you make a cup of coffee and so on. There was no, no um, in between. Like I say, it's just black and white, yes or no. But what I started to really develop a love for um, when I got introduced to it was leadership and management development, where suddenly it's not necessarily a right or wrong way of doing it. It's like, how do you want to do it? What's the best fit for you? And suddenly you're operating in that gray area. And that's where um, this light bulb really, really flicked on for me that I actually quite like operating in the gray. Um, and the reason that's so ironic is because when I first started on my training career, it was all about, I love the fact it's black and white. There's no room for argument here. This is the way it is. And over the course of maybe five or six years, I completely did a 180 and then started thinking, I love operating in the grey. And it's a similar time um, when, I, when I had that realisation that I started getting introduced to coaching um, as well. And that's that's another huge light bulb um, or a real watershed moment for me that I had some coaching with some challenges that I was facing. And I thought, wow, that was impressive. That was intense. It was amazing. I completely turned around from where I was. Wouldn't it be amazing if I were able to do that? And I was really, really fortunate that the business I worked for had an internal coaching proposition. Um, they had openings. They were recruiting. They were looking to train new coaches. Um, and I applied for it and I got taken onto this coaching program. So my day job was all about developing leaders and developing um, uh, managers, albeit mainly in groups. 
And then I had this amazing sideline um, working with individuals to um, develop their potential, to develop their careers. I thought, this is amazing. You know, what, what is not to love about this? So, and, and I've, I've been fortunate that I've gone from job to job. I've had secondments. I've, I've um, survived restructures. I've been through all sorts of change <laughs> and I kept on coming out with a new role in L&D whilst having this, um, this, this, this coaching role um, mm-hmm. alongside. And, and really that's, that's where my where my corporate career took me it, it got me so interested in um in in developing talent developing potential working with people wallowing in that gray and really understanding how do we find a way forward when when everything could be a little bit ambiguous mm. so hopefully that answers the question as to where i've come from and where i got to yeah absolutely yeah uh, the gray area absolutely is similar to me in terms of when i left you know to realize that there is you know there's not a set path a set structure when you know <clears throat> excuse me when i was um, you know a store manager it became very processy and it, and i realized that actually I i'm not really a process man i'm a bit of a an authentic leader i like to do things a bit of a you know on the on, on the ad hoc side you know maybe do things that felt right not just the process and i remember saying I mean, age old conversations, this used to happen in retail, like colleagues saying, no, that's not the process. We're not doing that. It's like, well, actually, well, what's the right thing to do? So I love that whole gray area. And obviously from that gray area, you've obviously built this authentic brand, uh, which is fantastic. And the name Kalenva, uh, which I think is a fantastic little, it's like a little mini Easter egg, isn't it? A lovely little special thing. Tell us uh, what Kalenva, uh, where the name came from. Yeah, so um, Kalenva is um, is actually a, uh, a portmanteau or a, a joining of my children's names. So I have a um, I have a beautiful little girl called Enver, um, and a beautiful little boy called Kellen, um, and we've brought them together to Kalenva, um, and and it works from a, a alliteration point of view. Kalenva coaching, so it's it's quite catchy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's lovely. It didn't, you know, once people work out how, how do they pronounce it, and you know, sometimes they get it wrong, sometimes they get it right, and that's cool. Um, but once they've got it, it kind of sticks. Hopefully, you know, Kalenva coaching, KK, KC, and um, yeah. So that, that that's where it comes from. But yeah, a little Easter egg. I like I like the way you put that. Brilliant. And <laughs> obviously, from launching this, from obviously to the end of your career, what was that spark that made you said, you know what, I'm going out on my own. I'm launching my business i want to now help people find their purpose where did that come from so it actually started probably i don't know it's got to be two to three years ago um now where i i I'd qualified as a coach i was working with lots of different individuals around the business and i was enjoying that work um so much and i thought it's only ever going to be a sideline gig at the moment and it's that's just not enough I, I want to be doing this much more often. So I, I started formulating the idea of how would it be if rather than doing my sort of um, learning and delivery, a uh, learning and development rather, um, role full time with the bolt on, how would it be if I swapped those around, completely changed the dynamic where I was coaching much more often and maybe doing some learning content as, as a complementary thing? What might that look like? Is that ever going to happen in the organization I'm working in? I just don't think so. It's just not geared up um, for that. It's not, it's not willing to make that sort of... Um, uh in in investment in full-time coaches as it were so that's where the idea um was born from but then also there's another element of this that um throughout my learning career um and and even throughout my management career as well um the fascination with people that's 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 really the common thing that runs through everything i do the fascination um with people whether it's people i know people i was working with whether it's people in the news you know things are going on in the world where i really started wanting to know 
what what what's what's going on behind that what's causing that behavior what's causing that language what's causing that thinking um to be done so if you combine that with a, a passion for coaching um that that's where the idea was born and and to be honest we were going through another restructure um they they, they tended to come around fairly regularly as they as they do tend to in in business um and I, I, I kind of thought to myself, you toyed with the idea of setting out on your own last time you had a restructure and you didn't do it. Um, and yeah, there's maybe a little bit of remorse there thinking, oh, come on, Tom, you should have done that. Um, but this time around, I thought, OK, here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity to set up your own coaching business. Here's the opportunity to go back to university and study psychology and really formalise that learning, um, which you've been so passionate about, but only really learn on the job or anecdotally. Here's an opportunity to do something really, really big with it. Um, so when when the, the news came of this restructure, I thought, OK, this is this is my time to my time to go. So I um, I ended up taking uh, taking voluntary redundancy, um, which uh, you know gave me a way of leaving leaving the business on the very best of terms. Um, I got an incredibly uh, generous redundancy um, package, which has given me the kind of the financial backing and also the time to set the business up and get things get the wheels in motion. But also take some time to head back to university and and, and start studying again and really formalising that learning. So um, yeah, you know it was. It was a combination of factors and it just felt this is the right time. You didn't do it three years ago and you kind of regretted that. Now's the time to do it. And, and that's kind of where we've got to. And that's where I am now. Brilliant. And, and what was the belief like from leaving, you know, because even in my own experience, I remember that feeling of what happens if this goes wrong? What mm. happens if I fail? What belief did you have from leaving that, that you knew that this was the right thing to do? So there's there's absolutely there's so many what ifs. Um, and I think if you if you start wallowing in the answers of the what ifs, you might not actually get anywhere. Um, and and this, what it made me think of, Ricky, is is a quote from um, from a Ryan Reynolds film, Van Wilder. And he film, says, yes. oh, it's, it's fantastic. And he says, you know, worrying is a bit like a rocking chair. It can be a lot of fun, but it doesn't really get you anywhere. Um, and I, I kind of <laughs> I have that one up my sleeve ready to go. You know, no pun intended with you being a magician, but I have it up my sleeve ready to go because often, um, yeah, you know, I, I do find myself indulging in worrying entirely too much about certain things like what if I don't make a success? What if I, you know, yeah. don't financially um, succeed and all those sorts of things. And then I do have to think about me worrying about these things. It's not moving me forward. It's not moving me towards what it is I actually want to achieve. If I can put those worries to one side and think about, okay, let's, let's flip them. Let's, let's reframe them. What happens if I do succeed? What happens mm. if I do make a success out of this? If I can just change that, change that way of thinking, reframe it slightly. And then that helps me get some clarity on, okay, so what are the actions I need to take? What are the behaviors I need to um, demonstrate in order to actually get what it is I want and, and, and succeed? I love that. Yeah. And uh, this often happens when we get guests on where it's like, quote, tennis. One of my favorite yeah. ones is, um, I think it's from Peter Pan. I saw it from an Instagram uh, little thing from a school. And it's the Peter Pan phrase, which is, what if I fall? And then the response is, but what if you fly, darling? And it's yeah. like, wow, yeah. And there is that, isn't it? Like, what if, what if today was going to be the best day of your life? Now, what if today was going to be the best day that you earned? the most money you've ever earned in your business or what if you used to meet like you know your life partner or soulmate or whatever it might be there's all those opportunities isn't there and it's about looking at that but Tom you're obviously now helping people identify their purpose so you, you've kind of you've moved from that you've had a fantastic opportunity voluntary redundancy you're now helping people in your business and I think you mentioned earlier on it's coming up to the year anniversary yeah in April yeah, yeah far away 
congratulations for that. So my question is, how do you define purpose? Yeah, so that's a tricky one. It's, it's, it's really difficult to understand what do we actually mean by purpose, because it could be uh, at one end of the spectrum, something really transcendent, you know, like the meaning of life, which, um, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're going to go down quote tennis, it's sports yes. too. As, as uh, yes, knows. Hitchhiker's Guide, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so <laughs> you, you, could, you could absolutely look at it from that point yeah. of view. And, and um, by looking at it from that point of view, you could say, well, how on earth am I ever meant to understand what my, what my purpose is on earth? You know, it's really huge questions that you could be asking yourself. And that's absolutely what some people do. Um, and, and you look at the other end um, of the spectrum and, and, and it's, it could be as simple as, you know, what is it I want to do within my career? You know, mm-hmm. am I doing what makes me happy? You know, and that, 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 that could be, that could be, yeah. And that word happy um, and fulfilled, though, though, those crop up for me often when I'm trying to define the purpose. So I don't, I don't think I can give you a definitive yeah. <laughs> um, definition of the word purpose, but for me, um, it's, it's about being happy and fulfilled in your life, knowing that you're in control of your own destiny, knowing that you're doing the things that you want to be doing, knowing that you are, um, operating from from cause rather than effect you know that you are yes. living life rather than experiencing life I guess or just existing yeah. maybe I think it's a perfect answer yeah I, I think it's absolutely brilliant so in line with this you're now obviously um, using NLP in your practition and uh, obviously it's something that I discovered probably I've always known about it but you kind of had this kind of perception of what it was going to be and now in hindsight um, looking back I've realized that actually a lot of the training we did was based on NLP. And I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't really have that awareness and that knowledge. But for anyone listening who's probably heard of it, um, they don't really know what it is. Tom, what is NLP? So for me, I think NLP is um, it's just a means of understanding yourself and understanding other people better um, with a view to be able to build um, great rapport, to be able to build um, relationships, to be able to communicate in a way where people just kind of get you um you know and and, and what i mean by that is a, you know an, an example might be where there's someone in the workplace perhaps that you just don't seem to see eye to eye with or you just don't get on or you're not speaking the same language i can i can churn out so many different ways of putting that but you just don't seem to get on um and if you were to if you were to spend some time understanding yourself understanding how you like to communicate what your preferences are the, the conscious and the unconscious preferences you have going on and you also were in a position to find that out about the other person and they they became more self-aware of those unconscious um, and conscious processes if you started to understand those and you started to be more open with them and share them you'd probably find that you do have some common ground there is some commonality there and and you probably could work in a more effective way or build a better rapport or just be more productive so Again, you know, there's, there's, if, if you were to Google NLP, there'd be loads and loads of different definitions. But for me, it's, it's just about, it's about rapport, it's about communication, it's about understanding, it's about awareness, and it provides a framework in order to do that. Definitely, yeah, and, and it's, it's a massive, it's, it's huge, isn't it? I mean, even in the, just the foundation diploma that I'm currently studying, it's, it's, there's so many modules and so many different assessments, and there's so many like so many acronyms there's so many different languages in it but I love that simple concept of what you just explained there because it absolutely is and I often think about even just yesterday I was at a wedding fair obviously I was exhibiting with the the wedding business and even then using the skills of NLP and all of my training um, to build rapport with people you know in sales or even in you know in your business it's just it just comes naturally but I didn't realize that for years and years and years like one of the things that I shared before is I'm a huge fan of anchoring 
and uh, which we'll explain in a second. And I love how that has now helped me out in my own life and my career. But I used to think, like, I know you're a big avid fan of uh, a band called Metallica. Mm-hmm. As, um, so people who can't see this behind Tom, we'll have to we'll put a picture of this somewhere on uh, LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, but there is a whole huge collection of Metallica vinyls behind Tom, which looks amazing. Um, but yeah, for me, music as a memory, I you know, music can transport me back to a time and I can remember exactly where I was. I can, I can remember what I was feeling, maybe what I even smell. But when I was young, I didn't realize that that was an anchoring technique. And mm. now you can now use that to obviously change your state, change your mood. And I talked about this recently on another podcast episode about taking responsibility, about choosing how you want to respond. Um, and, and I'll share this with you, Tom. So recently I used an anchoring technique and then a classic one that um, my mentor taught me about the elastic band, you know, on, on the hand to give you a bit of a stimulus. And last year I had a bit of a bit of anxiety, actually, which is really strange to me because as a magician and as a performer, you would think that we are probably the most confident people in the world. And most of the time I am. But during this time, this was pre-Alma, my daughter being born. There was a lot going on. There was this fear inside of, are we going to go into winter lockdown? Are we going to, uh, is my business going to shut down again because of lockdown 2020? That combined with being overly busy and just being burnt out, it wasn't a great concoction. And I started to get really anxious. And I remember turning up at events and just before I'm about to start, just completely like dripping all over my face. And I thought, what on earth is going on? And then at that point, when, you, when you're kind of nervous and you're sweating like that, you go, oh my God, I'm sweating. So then you sweat more and you just get panicky. And I remember saying to myself, like, what on earth? is going on i know how to do this and i remember using the technique and i started from that point where i'd use the elastic band to anchor myself into a state where i've done this before Mm -hmm. i'd visualize it i know i can do it and i just would ping the elastic band to remind me of the point that i so for example if it was like a, a speaking gig i would remember that moment of being right in the flow right in the middle of it having a great time and pinging it and just it would then calm me back down and it's, it's unreal, isn't it, that there are certain things that we can do that will control how we state uh, our state and how we feel. But I'm guessing that you uh, explore this much further than I am because I'm very much on that kind of foundation level. But tell us a little bit about the types of things that you use in your practice. So uh, obviously anchoring, submodalities, I'm a big fan of that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us the sort of things that you kind of use or examples without obviously going into too much personal information for people but what sort of things are you using nlp for to help people yeah okay so um yeah there's there's kind of um there's almost like two two camps within nlp i don't know camps maybe not the right word but two two ways of um of, of utilizing it so um some of the things that you've mentioned there in terms of anchoring in terms of using um submodalities there's there's lots of um tools and techniques that you can use um you know so anchoring is a great example of a, a tool that you might choose to use with a um with a client where you're going to apply some sort of stimulus um during the um uh, a state which you've elicited so you know you, you mentioned about being in the flow or you might you might um ask the client to elicit um an experience when they felt super confident so if, if confidence was the state they were looking for and they wanted to feel really confident before i don't know they, they go into present to the board or something like that by eliciting that state and then applying a stimulus in your case the rubber band i use um touching of the knuckle so yeah, applying yeah. applying a finger to the knuckle um by applying that, that that stimulus at the peak of that um that uh, that state they can then recall that state essentially 
any time that they apply that stimulus. So um, for the listeners out there thinking, what's he talking about? Um, if you talk about Pavlov's dogs, for example, classic right. sort of stimulus response, um, salivating dogs and, 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 and bell ringing, um, that's, that's the sort of thing we're talking about, stimulus response. So if, if, you want to, if you want to find out more, you could either Google anchoring or you could Google Pavlov's dogs and find a little bit more out about that. But yeah, that, those are one of the tools that I use um, uh, quite often because um, you know, if clients are saying, I, I wish I felt more confident going into present or I wish I felt more chilled out before I, before I go on stage and, and those sorts of things, you know, those, those are things that you can do because I think stimulus response is so, um, is, is so powerful. So I use that quite a lot. Um, submodalities is, is, is also um, so much fun to use and so, so powerful. So what we talk about when we say mm-hmm. um, modalities and submodalities, we're talking about um, having a, a preference for um, seeing things, so being visual or maybe auditory, so hearing them. Um, which may appeal to some of your listeners if they're just tuning yeah. in yeah. Um, or, or, or it may be kinesthetic in terms of experiencing and feeling things. And, and we all have our own, our own preference for each one of those. Um, and, and it can be really useful um, to explore um, what goes on beneath those. So if, if you have someone who's a visual preference and you ask them to, OK, I want you to bring about a picture which reminds you or is, is, is informing you of being super confident, for example. Well, if that's the state we're trying to elicit, how can we make it even more compelling? How can we kind of dial up and dial down certain things? So, for example, um, if you imagine that picture, is it more or less compelling if we dial the colours up to full saturation or we make it black and white? Um, is it framed or is it panoramic? What difference does that make? Is it um, actually a movie rather than just a still photo? So you can you can play around with all of these all of these little things to either make something more compelling um, if you're trying to install like a new a new um, compelling belief or a new, um, a new a new belief or something or actually if you're working with a limiting belief which you're trying to diminish you might dial those things down so actually mm. is this picture less compelling um, if we if, if we make it in black and white and uh, you know that, that's a very very basic overview of, of, of working with submodalities but very very um, powerful tools that you can use um, just by playing around with some of the um some of the dials on a tv for example you remember like yeah, an old yeah. an old crt tv that had all the dials on the side it's a little bit like playing around with the contrast the the brightness the saturation those sorts of things so things like those and and there's so many others are what i would call the tools and techniques um the other side of it is the language and that's where i love operating is um and and, and these may be some things that you learn as you as you go through your journey is some of the linguistic um techniques some of the things you could be listening out for that um pop up completely um involuntarily in people's language um and and really tuning into those and then just offering Offering an observation or offering a, a, a pondering, I notice you use the word "can't" really often. <laughs> you know, yeah. tell tell me more about "can't" or you know, what can you do? So flipping it and you know, off, offering what can you do? Um, because and funnily enough, I was writing about this on social media this morning. But um, so often when we're talking, we're kind of on autopilot because we're just having a conversation. That sometimes words slip out, that but that can be so telling about what's your mind. Um, state at the moment what's your mental state at the moment what's what's going on for you how how anxious do you feel at the moment how relaxed do you feel at the moment what's going on and and it can be it can be so informative and as a coach as an NL practitioner NLP practitioner you're kind of really listening out carefully for those and it's not to catch people out absolutely it's not about that but it is about um it's interesting we we, we've talked about this before and we've kind of come full full circle and we're back around to talking about this again or here's a common phrase that you use 
I'm just intrigued to know, um, you know, where that, that phrase comes from. So there's loads and loads and loads of linguistic techniques um, which come normally when you're studying it at the master's level. And, and those are the techniques that I absolutely love weaving into my coaching. And um, because they are linguistic, you can just weave them in completely subtly as part of an, an ongoing conversation. It's not like you say, we're going to do a technique. I'm going to use a tool. It can just be something very, very conversational. And, and that's what I mean about building rapport, building um building that relationship just through having a really good meaningful purposeful conversation with somebody yeah absolutely yeah i even remember it back in the old the old corporate days of you know talking to customers at the same level building rapport you know that kind of thing and uh, we used to make a laugh about this in one of the training sessions about how to build rapport with your customers and you know and and not to deliberately piss off a customer if you're mimicking them <laughs> or mirroring like that but it is it just helps doesn't it and you find that I, I used to we used to use a great example like if you'd go onto like a shop floor for example in my old corporate days you would tell if someone was building rapport and, and anybody could do this right now if you go to a, a pub uh, a restaurant if you go to tesco's uh, sorry or any supermarket any supermarkets available um you often see this when two friends bump into each other over the trolleys in the supermarket they go, oh hey jill how's it going oh hi john yeah I'm, I'm great thanks and then about five minutes in the conversation if you were to watch them they're probably standing there both with their arms crossed talking mm-hmm. to each other or their hands on their face and you just think wow why are they copying each other but it's not it just happens naturally isn't it and and i use this a lot when i'm trying to build rapport with with people performing or even speaking because you want to connect to that audience that they want to connect back to you so if i'm going up to a, a group of strangers I want to try and build rapport with them. You know, sometimes I do the classic thing where I put my hand on the hip and I've got my hand on a chair if I'm like at the wedding breakfast and I'm not doing it just to, to piss people off or mimic. It just naturally happens because I'm just kind of mirroring that language. But then that helps to open that conversation. So I absolutely love it. I think I think NLP is such a fantastic, uh, wonderful model. I was telling my friend Paul, uh, so shout out to Paul Dams. I was like, Paul, oh my God, this is amazing stuff. You need to look into this. But I do want to share one thing about this, and I'm going to ask in a second about maybe if there's an example you could share about how you may have helped someone uh, go from a state to a new state using some of your uh, your expertise. But one of the things that I didn't realize at the time, back in the old training day, and uh, you know, shout out to the, the Differences You team. We were a team called The Differences You, which very similar to you. We were all about people, helping them to be the best version of themselves. And we had this uh, great model from my boss, Matt Edwards. So shout out to Matt. He had this great concept of a tree. And the idea of the tree was that your roots below the ground was your beliefs and your values. So what you're programming yourself, what's important to you, how you kind of see the world, what's right and what's wrong. Then the trunk was kind of your choice. So you decide how to drive that behavior. And then the top of the tree, the leaves was the, the, the beautiful leaves flourishing at its best. And, you know, if you used to compare it to a tree that has, you know, it's dying at the top, then it's linked to those roots and how you're nourishing in that, what's in the environment, how you're controlling your state. Are you feeding your beliefs and your values with the right ingredients, the water, the garden, that kind of thing. And then your choice. And we used to use a great example of like um, uh, Usain Bolt, great example of coming out onto the field and a lot of people you know even coming out going nervous panicky and he just comes out and does the classic you know and that's him choosing to drive that behavior and what happens it kind of makes everybody else feel a little bit nervous but he's coming out his beliefs and values and what that is going to do is going to drive his behavior but he makes that choice to say do you know what yeah i am nervous i've not been to this stadium before but you know what i'm going to come out i'm going to be my personality i'm going to be the best version of myself the crowd starts chanting his name that makes him feel good it makes probably the other runners feel really nervous and what happens 
he smashes it or he did when he was obviously running but it's that great example about making a choice from what's powering you and i think that's a lot of the especially over the two years i would say of even in my own journey and a lot of people i think a lot of this is about choice what would you say about how beliefs and values can drive someone's behavior Mm, yeah, hugely. I, I, I could talk for days on that on that particular subject because values and beliefs um, is is totally where I operate within my within my coaching business um, and, and and the work that I do. So, um, I think values and beliefs are are so are so ingrained in who you are that you know they they are they're, they're imprinted at a really early age and you get loads of um, influence from the people you grew up with and your caregivers and your parents and grandparents and 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 and, and so on and so forth and and they are instilled in you at a really young um, young age. But um, often they do sit at the unconscious level that we don't necessarily know what they all are. So, you know, you might say to somebody, you know, pop quiz, give me your top five values. And most people are like, uh, mm, mm, oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Whereas, whereas, and, I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to tar everyone with the same brush. Other people may just be able to know, rattle them off really, really quickly. If they've done that work and they, they're totally convinced of them, they'll be able to rattle that off really, really quickly. But I find often, not always, but often they sit at the unconscious levels. So a lot of the work that I would do is about is eliciting what are those values and whether it is values in life as a, as a whole person, whether it is values within the um, context of career or values within the context of family or whatever, whatever role or hat you want to wear, you can you can elicit the values in there. Um, and I find once you understand what your what your values are, what's truly important to you and what the belief um I, I term them belief clusters that sit around one, each one of those values. What do you need to believe to be true in order for that value to actually be um, true for you and, and that value to be important? If you understand that, then coming back to your point about the choices, you've got some point of reference to check in with. Um, so um, I really, really like the tree analogy. I think trees are so fantastically versatile for these sorts of analogies and, and, and using them as metaphor. Um, but if you if you think about the uh, the element of choice i'm going to make a choice if i have got something to check in with like my beliefs and like my values i will be able to get an inkling is this choice going to serve me well mm. or is it going to go against my values for example yeah yes. um so if you know what your values are and you totally live by them you totally align to them when you're making those choices they'll be there right in the foreground saying okay if you make this choice this is the potential impact. It may be totally aligned to your values and therefore it's going to be fantastically successful. It's going to be really good for you. It's going to be amazing. Or it may say, actually, this, this, is, this is going to grate against your values slightly. You, find, you might find yourself having to compromise your values. And that's when you get to the point of thinking, okay, well, is this, is this a choice I want to make? Is this, a, is this a decision I really want to make? What are the other options that I might have available to me here that are going to allow me to continue to be aligned to my and to my values but all of this does depend on whether you know what they are mm. um, because if you if you don't have that reference point if you're if you're not clued up on your values if you're not clued up on on your beliefs and you really know what they are um, you may make decisions without that point of reference that decision may not pan out quite the way you thought it would it might be um, a, a bad decision or an, uh, an uninformed decision and then you've got the outcome and you're thinking okay, that didn't go the way I thought it would, or that doesn't feel great, or it hasn't benefited me in the way that I thought it might. I wonder why that is. And you might not have many answers to that question. But if you are making decisions based on your values, based on your beliefs, based on those things that are important to you, you just that, you've just got that much more information to go on and therefore in a, bit, in a position to make 
more informed decisions you know, and you know take it from me you're not always going to make the right one you may end up feeling like ah oh, that wasn't great that doesn't feel great and that feeling of not feeling great having made a bad decision is because you're thinking perhaps it hasn't aligned to my values so that 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 for, that for me is the is the benefit of um understanding your values understanding your beliefs and then thinking about how do i live my life aligned to those so tom using nlp then um is there an example that you could share with us about obviously without going into you know personal information or details about someone but is there an example or maybe um an example when you did your training of someone coming in to uh with you as a coachee um and helping them moving from one state uh, or you know some sort of uh issue or some sort of thing that they're going through that they want to change or, or improve and how have you used some of the tools in nlp to get them from where they are now to that desired state and and also to shout this out to to people who who aren't really clear up this i know that a lot of this is glorified and obviously we've seen it from tony robbins a lot of the stuff that tony robbins is nlp which i didn't really realize you know all those years ago and i'm seeing him shouting at people and telling them to break up with their friends and family you know like pattern changes wow i realize now what he's doing but is there an example that you could share of how you've used nlp to help someone get to a desired state yeah yeah absolutely so um so we, we've we've talked about um anchoring um and we've talked about submodalities and and you can you can use both of those um for for changing states um and you know so if on on, on a like a a minor state change for example so if, if somebody comes to comes to coaching and they're talking about you know i i find myself procrastinating um a lot and i i find myself not making decisions not making actions and i will find anything else other to do than actually do the thing that i know i should be doing you know so classic procrastination um and and you know it, it shows up in a number of different ways it can be incredibly debilitating for some people um you know where they've kind of got that um analysis paralysis or decision fatigue that sort of thing um for other people it's much more um it's much more of an annoyance than, than anything too debilitating. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a spectrum. Um, but you know, you you can use um, you can use collapsing anchors, for example, where <clears throat> excuse me, where you are actually removing or collapsing the um, the stimulus response that comes along with the state of procrastination, and then replacing it with something like motivation for example. So, um, you know, and, and I, I won't go into the details of how you do it, but it's essentially collapsing one. So there's no longer a stimulus or no longer a state. And then you build up another one and you anchor the new state that you want, um, i.e. motivation or whatever word it may be. So anytime that you do feel actually I'm getting into a procrastinating state here, actually, yeah, I've got my anchor of motivation i'm just going to tap that i'm going to ping that band that you talked about i'm going to um get i'm going to change my state by applying a stimulus and and that you know that's that's a simple example about how um how anchoring could be used um to to change um what i would deem a a kind of a minor a minor state procrastination um you know you you go to the other end um of of the spectrum and and perhaps moving away from states but maybe moving into limiting beliefs Mm. um you know which You know, they're, they're, they're really prevalent. I've had them. I have them. You know, a, yeah. lot, a lot of people do have those limiting beliefs. And, um, you know, you certainly can use some of the techniques of, um, of NLP to help somebody create a new empowering belief. So submodality work, for example, um, there's, there's a lovely belief change switch that you can do where you elicit the 
some modalities or you elicit the state of um, the, uh, the limiting belief. Um, and over a course of a few steps, you replace it um, with a new empowering belief. And a couple of stepping stones um, along the way are um, eliciting a belief which is no longer true. And yeah. you're essentially mapping that onto the limiting belief to um, suggest to your client that that limiting belief is no longer true. And it's, yes. as, it's as untrue as any belief that you have that is no longer true. Yeah. Um, and then you also have a further stepping stone where you elicit the state of um, something that is fundamentally true. So, for example, like the, the sun comes up every morning, you know, it's a fundamental truism yeah. in it's certainly in my world. Yes. Like, not yes, everyone may believe that as one, well. But, yes. Frankly. But, uh, <laughs> I imagine most people um, would say, yes, that the sun comes up in the morning. That is a universal belief, a universal truism. And you map that over onto the new empowering belief. So that new empowering belief is as universally true as the sun coming up. So yeah. over the process, over the course of the session, or maybe over a couple of sessions you're essentially relegating the limiting belief to the annals of time with the old beliefs that are no longer true and you replace them with this universal belief that's that's part of um, the work for limiting beliefs that's just one of the nlp yeah. techniques that you can use to do some of that work and then embedding um that, that that new belief looking for the evidence that backs up that new belief you know that 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 comes over a period of time and it's not just something you can snap your fingers in 60 minutes and it's done it's obviously you know the process yes. will, will yeah. take long uh, a longer period but that's just i'm um, kind of like the starting the starting um uh technique that you might use uh, for limiting yeah. beliefs amongst many others there are there are definitely a lot of other ways that you could apply both coaching and nlp to um limiting beliefs but that that, that would be one yeah, uh, you know what? It's funny actually because you've made me think about one of the things that I've done recently about moving myself into a state. I have this weird thing about sunglasses. If I'm in the car, as soon as I put my sunglasses on, I don't know if it's because there's this notoriousness about it, you know, notoriety. But as soon as I put the sunglasses on and I whack a playlist on, I can kind of get into like that flow state, and it's I've anchored myself into it. So I think the next time, probably if I ever do like um, a gig or a talk, maybe on a stage, I think I'm going to take my sunglasses with me put that playlist on my uh, you know headphones and then that's what instead of me jumping like a Tony Robbins on a trampoline before he jumps on the stage that's what I'll be doing so but one of the things I was, I was funny about which is quite relative is that I was reading a, a lot of studies about obviously fear and uh, a lot of work on the success principles by Jack Canfield and he talks about fear and about how when you are born you're only ever born with with two fears the, the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling over which tells you that everything is then learned which means you can unlearn it. So even now, as a, as I've got a little, I mean, at this point, the recording, she's just 10 weeks old. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking about everything that she's now going to learn and, you know, condition how me and Danielle bring her up, how the things that I teach her and will then shape her beliefs in the future. So it's quite scary. I'm like, oh my God, that's quite a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know, when I think about my own life and my own limiting beliefs of I can do this or I can't do that or no, that doesn't make sense. I don't believe that. I can't do that. I'm now really thinking, well, bloody hell how her life will turn out, not solely on my own fault, but um, there is that responsibility now where I'm thinking I want to do the right thing. And I want to make mm. sure that she's going to get some good beliefs and get some good values embedded inside of her to then have a great life. So, yeah. And, um, you know, so I'm really glad actually that NLP's opened my eyes, but uh, Tom, as we come to the end of the podcast, it's been mm. a, a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, if people want to learn more about you, uh, what you're doing, uh, or even they want to discover more, or even they might want to even contact you to say, do you know what? This has really resonated with me, actually. And there's something in my mind I'd love to kind of have a chat with you about. How can they find out more about what you do? 
So the, 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 there's two easy ways. Um, I would say the uh, the website will give you um, a flavour of who I am and what I do and the services that I offer. So if, if that's if that's the sort of information you're looking for, then the website um, is, is is where I would um, where I direct you. So it's www.kelenva dot com uh maybe rick is be kind enough to put yes, it in the show notes, I'll put in the show notes. You, can get the, you, you can get the spelling right on that one so that that, that will give um that would give you a good idea because the way i've designed that website i wanted it to be an extension of me um so it's just it's just a, a virtual version of me essentially so you should get a pretty good idea you'll see me you'll see my picture you'll see my family in there and that's that's the way i've designed the um the website so that's that's one direction um if you want to hear a little bit more, though, about what I've got to say or what I think on, 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 on certain subjects, then maybe checking me out on LinkedIn is the other way, because that's my main social media channel. That's where you'll see um, the content that I create, the videos that I, that I make, um, adverts, workshops that I run, um, free resources. All of that sits within my LinkedIn profile. So um, you'll be able to find me. Again, it will be in the show notes, but it's, um, it's Tom White's um, uh, Master NLP Coach. That's how you might search for me. Look out for the beard and white glasses. That tends to be how most people find me if they haven't quite worked out if they've got the right person just from the name. It's a fairly generic name, but white glasses and big beard, you'll, you'll, you'll track me down. But like I say, th- those are probably the two main main. Um, avenues I, I direct people towards if they want to find out some more brilliant thank you and and uh, tom hasn't paid me to say this he doesn't know i was gonna say this but i have recently been on one of his workshops and it was amazing so yeah tom <laughs> shout out to you and uh, his linkedin posts as well are very thought-provoking so yeah tom thanks so much it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, good luck to you and the business and uh, yeah happy anniversary for uh, for april yeah for the one year thanks for awesome. coming to the show. well thank you thank you ever so much for having me along i've really enjoyed um the conversation and uh, hopefully it's Um, of some value and entertainment for your listeners. Thank you, Tom, for sharing your story and giving a really great insight into NLP. Now, don't forget, you can head to the link in the description and you can download a copy of Tom's free workbook, Explore Your Purpose in Seven Steps. Just head to the link in the description and download today. Thanks for listening to this episode. And as always, a huge thank you to the patrons of this podcast. Thank you, Anthony Howe, Sarah Kay, Chloe Wilmot, Jasmine Barnes, Sherry Brenton, Steve McDermott, Chris Lovett and Rory Barnes for your continued support. It means the world and it gets this podcast out every single week. But for now, good luck unlocking the best version of yourself. And I'll join you for another episode of the Unlock Podcast next Wednesday. Goodbye.